Well, it's good to see you all here this morning. Glad you made the choice to join us. And I think it's a good morning uh, to be here just based on the title of the new series we're starting. You may have seen that on our bulletin. I'll be honest, I was having Stephanie help do some research on titles for series on Proverbs. She stumbled on this one and I couldn't resist wisdom, how to stop making dumb decisions. And really that's the the emphasis as we're diving into the the text over the next weeks to come. Because you realize as you stop and think about it, how much of life is really the culmination of the decisions we make, right? All the, the summary of, all the choices, all the ways we respond to situations from the food we eat, right? Some tough choices there. We learned about that in the workshop we had yesterday. To the grudges we hold, to the kindness we extend, to the emails we send, to the way we prioritize our time, our life is made up of countless choices and decisions. And as Christ followers, our heart and our desire is to navigate that well, right? We want to make good choices. We want to make wise decisions. And that's why we're going to spend some time in the book of Proverbs. I remember a couple of years back, my son in school back in Chicago, there was a, a kid in his class, and he was known as that, that kid. You know, every class has one, that troublemaker, if you will. I remember kind of eavesdropping in as I saw him getting dropped off by his mom, and his mom was leaning over to him and just quietly was saying to him, Listen, I need you to make good choices today. And his response, okay, mommy, I will. I was thinking to myself, just kind of chuckling. I'm like, he's not going to make good choices today. That's not going to happen. And really, the, uh, and he, I don't think he did. But, uh, but, but the, the idea here is this, is that's really our same desire for us as the body of Christ. We want to make, make good choices. And really, uh, that's the goal and hope of this uh, series that we're diving into uh, we've titled this morning, Getting Started, because we're doing exactly that. Just going to be looking at the first seven verses in uh, the book of Proverbs. But then from there, we'll jump around to a number of different spots, the rest of the series, not going just necessarily verse by verse. But let me just start our morning with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for this chance to be together this morning and uh, already having an opportunity to celebrate you and sing your praises. And uh, God, it's just it's sweet to be in your house. We just thank you for the, the folks that are here, the people that made it, even representing a, a good choice of uh, getting up and coming to be in your house this morning. I pray that you guide and direct us. We recognize you as the source of wisdom, and so we submit to you now. We ask that you teach us from your word. pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you wouldn't mind uh, turning with me in your uh, Bibles or uh, iPhones to uh, Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7 is what we'll be looking at. It's a lot easier to stay in line with what we're talking about here this morning if you have the same thing, if we're all reading the same thing. If you don't own a Bible, the nice thing is we have one in the chair in front of you. If you literally don't own a Bible, you can take that home with you. First verse there, we find some uh, important information. The, The author of our text says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So the book of Proverbs, it doesn't take too much to figure out there, written by Solomon, or mostly written by uh, Solomon. It'll specify if there's another writer involved. But he was known, one of the, the things, that one of the most famous kings of Israel. If you've been around church world, that's not a new name to you, Solomon. But one of the interesting things about his reign was early on, when he was first coming into uh, his time as king, He was given a choice. You can read about it in 1 Kings 3, 
where the choice that he was given, God came to him in a dream and asked him to make a choice. You can choose whatever it is you want from me. Ask whatever it is you want. He says, ask what I shall give you. And he could make a choice of whatever he wanted. And you think about that question. I've always kind of pondered that. Maybe you've wrestled through that. If I could ask for anything in the world, what would it be? Maybe as a kid, you remember having those conversations and wrestling through, what, what would it be that, that I asked for? I, I, uh, I concluded that I would ask for unlimited requests, but uh, I don't know what your decision would be, what you would ask for. But in this case, uh, the, the choice that Solomon made was obviously a good one. He asked for wisdom. That's right. And in fact, in 1 Kings 3.12, we see God's response. It says, Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. Think about that. That's a pretty powerful uh, word to, to be known as the most wise person to ever live. How crazy is that? No, no one before you, no one after, you're, you're it. And this, is, this isn't just anybody saying that. It's just not somebody puffing up somebody. This is God Almighty, the creator, making that determination that he's the most wise person to ever live. And because of that, this book that we're about to dive into is a collection of his best thoughts, if you will. A proverb by definition, I like this, we'll put that on the screen, is a short, memorable saying of practical truth, a short, memorable saying of practical truth. You think about it, like still, you're like, oh, that's weird that they do that back then, but really, we do that today. Think about how many proverbs we use just in the the everyday, like how many things are things that short, memorable things. Think about how many we use. Maybe you can help by helping me finish a few of these. A penny saved is a finder's keepers. Look before you, did someone say weep? Across the street, no pain, no, all right. It's better to have loved and lost than to never have, nice job. The grass is always, that's right. When the going gets tough, money doesn't grow where? Absolutely not, haven't found one. Don't count your chickens. How about this one? If you want something done well or right, all right, a few people are living by that motto, right? The, uh, there's a certain uh, sparkle in people's eyes with that one. Uh, no such thing as a, unless you have lunch with Bill Berry. If, if it ain't broke, if you can't beat them, the, the, the list goes on and on. You can probably add your own collection over the years, that, and mostly kids are like, yes, I know all of my parents' proverbs. I've heard the, them all. They've, they've accumulated over the years. Maybe you have a favorite one, one that you're known for saying. One that I was reminded of this last week is a Scottish proverb. It's a personal favorite. It's better to be a coward for a minute than dead for the rest of your life. Think on that one for a second. Yeah, <laughs> uh, clearly I'm not cut out for the military. Um, better to be a coward for a minute. All right, so here, rather than us just sharing our own proverbs and things we've come up with, accumulated over the years, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to look at the proverbs or accumulated sayings of the most 
wise person to ever live. How awesome is that? So diving in, verse 2, we see a little bit of the goal of this book. It says this, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings and righteousness, justice, and equity. Let's pause there a little bit, talk about the goals that are mentioned couple of thoughts just in setting that up. The book of Proverbs really is broken into two sections, two major sections. The first nine chapters are going through kind of the showing the value of wisdom, if you will. That's where we're at here now. Then chapter 10 and on is actually different. Proverbs are different things. It's broken down into a wide array of topics, various Proverbs. And so here's an important thing to understand just as we're thinking of the goals of Proverbs. Proverbs are guidelines for living not guarantees in life. Proverbs are guidelines for living, not guarantees in life. Let's think about that for a second. The same way, if I tell you, drive, like I don't know if there's anybody with heavy feet on the gas pedal in here, but if you were to try to make it to the, the, the Chesboro on-ramp and try to break 100 miles an hour, which I've done, no, just kidding. Uh, if, you, if you tried to do that, uh, uh, you could legit say, hey, you're going to get pulled over if you do that. Now, granted, you might successfully pull it off. I'm not suggesting that after church. You might, suge- you, might, you might make it there even a couple times, but the proverb, if you will, would be like, no, you're, you're, you're going to get caught, whether it's now or later. And so that same idea is true in the book of Proverbs. Not always, but typically. Not always, but typically. So not promises, but just a likelihood that the, they will happen. So he starts going through a number of the goals here. It says to know wisdom and instruction. And instruction. To know, this is a critical piece, right? In the, the words of G.I. Joe, it's half the battle. But the first, so that's the first step. Nobody got that. Um, the, but the first step, knowledge is an important piece of the, of the, of the pie. You have, to, you have to know things. It's one thing to be like, man, I'm just oblivious to this. But knowing is an important part of it. If you were here last weekend, we were blessed by Bob and Carol Craning, and uh, you think about, in their talk about marriage, as I was sitting in the back listening, uh, actually both services, I was thinking, you know, they're not saying a lot of things that we don't know. They're not saying things, it's not necessarily new information. Anybody married here know that honesty is a good thing within marriage? Is that, is that new information? Like, was that like, whoa, what? You know, no, it, it's, it, it's the, the reality is, is knowing is, is, is not it. The wisdom piece is when we actually start to apply what we know. That's the hard part, right? That's the, that's the tricky piece of this all. And so that's what he's pointing to is the goal, to know wisdom and instruction. Instruction insinuates the idea of gaining wisdom from someone else, right? Instruction, that someone is instructing you, giving you, giving you good information. You, you see, the, too many people in our present day have the mentality of, well, you just have to live and learn. Anybody hear that before? Ah, I just got to figure it out the hard way. I just learn by doing. You know, that's a, and really, if you think about that statement, isn't that a little bit foolish, right? Isn't that a little bit foolish? For those of you that are uh, new getting driver li- driver's license or parents that have sent you out, did any of you ever have a parent that just handed you the keys and told you, just go live and learn? 
Did that happen in any of your driving experiences? Did they just say, go live and learn? No, of course not. Because the, the logical, the wise thing is just the opposite. It's to learn and live, not live and learn. Learn and live, that's what we're called to with instruction. You first learn and then you attempt to live it out. You attempt to navigate your new driver's license. That's how it should work. And so here the idea that he's saying, the goal is that you, to know wisdom and instruction for those to be part of our lives, uh, lives in a critical piece at that. And for what the end goal he describes so that you can instruct it in, in wise dealings, making good choices, in righteousness, or the idea of righteousness as being right before God, in justice, in equity, which, mean, which means being fair or impartial. So all of these things are things for us to receive or to glean from this book. And I think a pretty noble uh, goal that he points us to. The audience is next in verse 4 we see. It says, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Let's break that down a little bit. If you think about who's listed there, it's really a list, a pretty all-inclusive list. He mentions the simple, the wise, the youth the one who understands, like really it's pretty, all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, probably fall into one of those categories. So basically pointing the idea that wisdom here in this context is for all of us. It's for, for we're all invited to this party. Like we all got the ticket to get in. And what is he inviting them to? What are some of the things that he, he mentions? He says, he describes prudence for the simple. For me, I think I probably fall in that category. Just a simple guy. Anybody else here? Like, just think of yourself as just a simple person. I don't, I don't mean simple as in, like, not smart. I mean, just simple, average, everyday Joe. And so simple, what does he offer to that person? Prudence. I like the definition that's given of prudence. How about this one? Tactics that succeed when there's a lot on the line. I like that one. Tactics that succeed when there's a lot on the line. You think about our lives, and I would say that we could make a case that there's a lot on the line in our life. We get one shot, we get run, run at this, and he's saying, I want to provide you tactics, or, or in this context, prudence, tactics that will help you navigate through this life. For the youth, he offers this. This is encouraging. He offers discretion, which is the ability to see through temptations coming your way so you're not fooled anymore. I like that description as well. The ability to see temptations before they get to you. Isn't that an amazing gift if you could actually start to see, like before you're falling and stumbling and going into the same habit or routine to start to see it and be like, wait a second, there's this idea of cause and effect. There's, there's consequences to my choice. What a novel idea. The, this, this is wisdom. This is what he's offering to the youth that he's saying. Over time, we should, even as adults, we should be growing in our understanding of the link between actions and consequences. So often I'm explaining to my kids, listen, if you do that, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And we get, it's a frustrating, character-shaping thing ongoing. Any parents amen to that? That's a, a part of the deal. But really, adults, we need to hear that as well. That link between un, our actions and consequences. Let's think about that for a second. If I say this, 
to my wife what is going to be the consequence. Anybody have anything come to mind for that one or your spouse or your friend? If I say this to my boss, anybody in one of those jobs? This is going to have some consequences. If I get caught doing this, this is going to have some consequences. Creating that link, that understanding between cause and effect, the whole idea is critical. So the why is that's what's offered to them and encouraged. It's something that each of us should be growing in. The encouragement that you see here for the, the, those of you that maybe fall in the category of wise, maybe that's some of the more senior adults in our community here that you're like, man, I'm, I'm already get, gotten there. I've figured out a few things. The encouraging thing is there's more. There's more. You haven't arrived yet even if you think you have. The encouraging thing is, is that there's more wisdom for the wise. You don't ever get to the place where you're like, all right, Got it all figured out. I can kind of check it out now. Like I got it, I got it solved. Nope. In the context, in this text here, what does it say? Let the wise hear and increase in learning. Think about that. I love it because you see the, the wise person, they don't have to experience it anymore. They're like, it's just as the wise person is just able to hear. They just hear something and they're able to grow in, the, in their wisdom and apply it to their lives. So here, the, uh, talking through just the a variety of different things that are linked to the audience here. So something for really everyone in the book of Proverbs. Turns a corner here in verse 7, and it points to the starting point. That was what I've labeled it, kind of where it all begins. So a lot of us are like, yeah, this sounds great. Sign me up. Like, where to pass around the clipboard? I'm in. But the idea here is where it starts is here. It says, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. So often you see that as a running thread throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, this idea of the fear of the Lord. And I've heard so often that somebody will talk about the fear and they'll try to kind of town play. It's like, it's like a reverence. It's like, a, like appreciation for I'm like, yeah, actually that, the word there is the same word used anywhere in Scripture talking about, no, legit fear. Like as, as, as much as we want to put God in a nice, convenient love box, like, it, like there, there's, a, there's a certain degree of like, whoa, he's God, and there should be, just by that alone, there should be a degree of fear. In this, this context, uh, Christianity Today talks a lot about kind of what an appropriate fear looks like. Listen to this briefly. Scripture is full of examples of how fearing God is a positive rather than a negative thing. For example, in Genesis 42, Joseph wins his brother's trust when he declares he is a God-fearing man. It was because the midwives feared God that they obeyed him, and instead of the authorities by sparing the Hebrew babies in Exodus 1.17, Pharaoh brought disaster on his nation because why? He did not fear God. In Exodus 9.29, Moses chose leaders to help him on the basis that they feared God and wouldn't take bribes. And he told the Hebrews that God met with them in a terrifying display of power so that they wouldn't sin. The Mosaic Law cites fear of God as a reason to treat the disabled and elderly well. And lest you think that, the, that this is only in the Old Testament, note that Jesus states this stronger than anyone when he says, listen to these words of Jesus. 
Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. And Paul says he does the same thing. And Paul says to work towards complete holiness because we fear God. So it's clear from these passages that fearing God is good because why? It saves us from caving into our own sinful nature. That's why hearing someone is a God-fearing person actually makes us trust that person more, right? If they fear God, they're more likely to keep their word and treat others with kindness. In fact, Romans 3, a classic chapter on sin, says that our chief sin is that we have no fear of God at all. Think about that. How many things are directly linked to an appropriate fear because of who he is, his, his character. He's, he's God Almighty. He spoke things into existence. I don't know if any of you have watched the, the Narnia movies or maybe read the books growing up, but I, I love the, the dialogue uh, and, and, and one of the books there between uh, Susan and the beaver, you stay with me here, where he's talking about as Aslan, the, the God character, the lion figure in the, the movie series or book series. And then you may even remember this dialogue. Su- Susan asks the beaver, says to her, is he quite safe? Guys, remember this? Was he quite safe? Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I love that picture. That's the picture of God, of Aslan. That's the almighty God is like, wait a second. He should be feared appropriately, but the good news, the encouraging news is that he's good, that he loves us. That's what scripture outlines. His grace is extended to to us through Jesus Christ. It's unbelievable, but that doesn't change that. He's saying it has to start with an appropriate fear of God. You think about that, him fearing the fact that he's the one that's, like I mentioned, created things. He's the one that sustains things. He's the one that will ultimately be our judge, should cause us at least to take a little bit of a pause. So, well, wait a second. This is, this is God we're dealing with. This is a, this is a big deal. My family enjoys uh, going on, on family hikes, or I should say Adrian and I enjoy family hikes and our kids uh, go with us. And um, we, we do that on occasion. A couple weeks ago, we were on a family hike on the uh, close to uh, Thousand Oaks and uh, Landero, I think that was, right? Sure, we'll go with that. And, uh, and we're, we're climbing this hill. Now, this is one that I really like because at the top of the hill, it has a bench up at the top somebody's put in place up there. I'm like, this is perfect. You know, you got the end goal. You know, you, if you muscle through, you're up there on the bench sitting in a beautiful view. So we get to the top. We have a picture of, of it there, and we're kind of goofing around, and we built one of those, like, a rock monument things. I don't know if you guys have ever done that before. It's kind of fun. Kids are having a good time. And we're there just, just goofing around, and uh, there's a, a gentleman that comes up that was also hiking in that area, and he was like the serious hikers. You know the guys with the walking sticks? You know, I don't really get that, but uh, uh, it's not that serious. Um, but he, 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 was taking it, he was taking it serious. He was into it and, uh, and just started just making small talk with him. It didn't take long to realize that, man, this guy is sharp. Like he knew his stuff. He's like, there's Mount Baldy over there, which I could appreciate. And uh, there, there's, the, there's, the, 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 there's this uh, Catalina Island. He's pointing out all these, we're at the pretty high point. He's pointing out all these things. He's showing us the community down below. He points out to his massive house down there. That's where I live. And 
cool and, and all these different things. But this guy was sharp and, and the conversation progressed. And, and this is where it usually goes south when he asks, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, man, that's, that's usually not, oh, man, I actually don't mind. Uh, but, uh, but, but he starts talking, and we're starting to explain. I'm explaining I'm a senior pastor over, uh, over in Agora Hills. And it was interesting because he described himself as a, I'm a religious atheist. I'm like, well, how does that work? And, uh, and, and so, so anyway, we had an interesting conversation, and he was asking me. It got, got, got a little bit uh, heated where he's asking me, like, how do you know that there's a God? And I'm like, well, he revealed, him, he revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ, and we're, we're talking through this and kind of dialoguing. And, and really, I realized that maybe you've been in one of these conversations that, man, this guy's super sharp, but he's already got all the answers. He's got it figured out already. He's not looking to gain wisdom. He's not looking to gleam new information. He's got it solved in his mind. Psalms 14.1 says, The fool says there is no God. The fool says there is no God. And so here, this example that he's pointing to, starting point of wisdom is the fear of God. I love this quote by one theologian. It says, The gates of knowledge and wisdom are only open by the knock of reverence. The gates of knowledge and wisdom are only opened by the knock of reverence. In other words, it has to start with a, a, a knee bent. Recognize that, whoa, wait a second. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not God. I, 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 I bow to you. I acknowledge that you're greater. That's where wisdom starts. The alternative we see in verse 7 says that fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom instruction. Why? They've got it all figured out. They've already solved this. They, they, don't, they don't need any kind of input, so they despise it. So reading this list this past week that uh, you might be familiar with those, you know you're a redneck list. Uh, well, th- this one was more of a you, you might be a fool if list. You might be a fool if. You might be a fool if you're teased regularly about being stubborn. Hmm. We might be a fool if we, we're known as someone that never listens. Might be a fool if we can't ever be corrected. Might be a fool if we can't think of anyone who is a mentor that you're learning from. Might be a fool if you can't name someone you're spiritually submitted to. Might be a fool if you can't verbalize something you're learning or growing in right now. How about this last one? Might be a fool if the first thought in a sermon is who I know that needs to hear this. Hmm. This idea, this idea is kind of a, a running theme is like, I don't, I don't want to fall in that category. I don't want to be that guy that's got it all solved and is, is not teachable and isn't, isn't approachable and you know what you're going to get. He's stubborn. He's not going to budge. He's not going to do it. Like, I don't want to be that person. And I'm pretty sure us as a community, we don't want to be that person as a, as a, as a bunch of, of know-it-alls, if you will. It says the, 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 the fool despises wisdom and instruction. So here's a couple thoughts just in conclusion of how I believe Scripture, how this all kind of pieces together with the bigger picture in Scripture, how, the, if you will, the way that it works. It's important as we dive into this new series in talking about wisdom that we place appropriate value on wisdom because we can elevate that and become a God where it's something we march around in our pride that, well, I'm wise, I did this, I can do this. And, and instead... 
wisdom is supposed to be the sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ. Wisdom should be like, he must be spending time with Jesus. He must be, he must be, that was weird. He, 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 must, he, must, he, must, be, he must be hanging out. Like, he, he, must be in the, he must be in the word. He must be gleaming things. He must be gleaming truth from God's word. Like, that's the idea. Wisdom stems out of a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the truth is, Jesus embodies the wisdom of God. Jesus embodies the wisdom of God. If that relationship isn't right, then you can fear God, that's great. You can have some, some knowledge that you've built up over the years, but if that relationship with God isn't restored through Jesus Christ, it's just wisdom, right? Wisdom, as the series title describes. So that's an important understanding. Colossians 2, 3 tells us that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 through 31 talks about him as a source as well. It says, And because of him, God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. What an awesome passage that is. He's the source. And here's the encouraging thing is he's the source, but he's like anxious to share it with us. I love Matthew 7, 24, where he's pleading with his audience at the time. You can see it on the screen there. He tells them, he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, do you see that important piece there of wisdom? Will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So it's not just he's saying, listen, I've got the words of wisdom. This, this is the words of wisdom. He's saying, I've got this for you. You have to read and then what? Apply. You have to apply. You have to move these things into our life. Not only do we have the resource of God's word, James 1, 5 reminds us that we can go directly to the source ourselves. I love that piece of prayer as a part of it. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives how much? Generously to all without reproach, not thinking down on you. It says without reproach and it will be given to him. This idea that there's an open invite, that, the, that the, the source of wisdom is saying, listen, I've written stuff for you. I'm available. I'll, 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 you, I'll, I'll speak to you directly, whether it's through the prompting of, uh, of myself in your spirit or whether it's through the, the words of a, of a strange, bald pastor, whether it's through a friend that sits down over coffee. Like God speaks to us and he wants to impart wisdom to us. It's an awesome thing. He doesn't want us to flounder and how do we navigate through this life? He doesn't leave us like that. And the encouraging thing, and this is a little reality check, is this, I'm not trying to say that, oh man, once you do all that, then it's all nice and easy and rosy. There's still some really tough decisions to be made in life, right? Anybody pull out the, the paper and do the pros and cons list and like, well, should, if we do this, if we do that, like there, there's some weighty choices that we have to make. The encouraging thing is, with Christ as the source, we don't have to try to navigate that ourselves. We're not left on our own to figure it out. The other thing that's kind of cool, we begin to discover that the goal isn't for us to answer all of our questions. A lot of us think that that's what life is all about. I got to figure this out. I got to solve this. I got to figure that out. 
you start to realize the longer you walk in this life, that it's not, not about solving the questions, but the goal is the intimacy with Christ. Like, that's the end goal. We're not trying to say, okay, if I can just gain all this info, then I'll be able to perfectly navigate. It's like, man, enjoy, enjoy the ride. God's saying, listen, I want to do this with you. Uh, enjoy the intimacy with Christ and as you sit down with your spouse and the way the pros and cons list. Enjoy the, 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 enjoy the journey, if you will. I'll end with this quote by David Platt. I like it. It says, it isn't about getting to a destination. He is the destination. That's the encouraging thing in all of this. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for this book and that we're starting to dive into and the fact that you chose to share wisdom, stuff that's so practical and applicable still so many years later, things that will guide and help us, us avoid so many pitfalls. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would start growing us and stretching us, even as we maybe even commit this month to say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read with Scott through Proverbs. I'm gonna commit there's, there's 31 Proverbs. We can make that through in a month. God, I just pray that you would grow us as a, as a body of uh, believers so that, not that we can say, look how wise we are, but we can be a sweet fragrance of Christ. That's our heart and our desire in this community that we would, one, we'd be able to avoid pitfalls, but one, we'd just be the attractiveness of Christ that, man, this person that's actually doing things biblically, man, it's, it's different. It changes things. You can only do that in the power of your spirit working in us. So we invite you to, to work and move in us as a church. We pray that in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you, see, do you see the freedom in that, just that statement, just acknowledging? That's what we're talking about. Oh, I need you. I can't do this alone. I can't solve all this. I can't navigate this life on my own. That's just wisdom. My prayer is that we'd live following him, allowing him to guide and direct us this week. I pray you have a wonderful week in the Lord. One of the ways we serve the community each week, each month is once a month we have our, our deacons fund. If you'd like to participate in that, you're more than welcome. God bless you. Have a great week.